Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Don't Imagine Anyone's Listening, the podcast where I talk about basically whatever I want because I don't imagine that anyone's listening. I'm your host, Monica Marie Durr, professional internet nobody who also has some other jobs. So today I want to talk about something that comes up a lot in modern entertainment media, which is representation in stories. And I have, I think, a different take on this. Because now when people talk about representation in stories, specifically movies, television, and books as well, they're usually talking about sex or gender and race and sometimes sexual orientation as well. And though all those things are good and they are definitely aspects of characters that you should think about and that should be physically represented in stories by by no means saying that you shouldn't try to include all kinds of people in storytelling. But I don't think those are the only attributes that matter when it comes to making characters relatable. Because absolutely, especially when you're young, you have an affinity for people who look like you. That's just ingrained that you are drawn to people who resemble you. But that's not the only thing that people are. We are not just the outside. We are also character traits and decisions and choices. I think that character traits and action and reaction and emotional responses and all of the different things that go into making a character and a story are just as important as the race and the gender of the main characters in these stories. Um, I'm thinking about when I was a kid at sort of the three different stages of being a kid and what my three favorite movies and characters in those were. And I was the I still am the kind of person who the main character was usually my favorite character. I didn't ignore the side characters, but I usually liked a movie or a show or a book because I was attached to the main character. So when I was a little kid, like from the ages of four to six-ish, my favorite movie was The Little Mermaid. And looking back at that as an adult, I don't have quite the same attachment to The Little Mermaid as I do now. I still love it. It's still a great movie. But I I think when I was, the thing I thought that was great about her as a kid was that she was a mermaid. That's really, it's really the main thing that I I really was drawn to. And as a, a person with with no fish scales whatsoever. Um, I definitely wasn't attached to that character because she <laughs> represented me physically in some way. I didn't have cartoonishly red hair or anything like that. I'm not a fish on the bottom half or the top half. I just, I liked the plot and I liked that the main character was a mermaid. I thought the idea of living underwater was very, very cool. And I still think that's very, very cool still like the concept of mermaids in a that would be a cool thing to be kind of fantastical way. Anyway, moving a few years into the future, when I was six to ten, my favorite movie was Star Wars. And 
favorite character in that movie was Luke Skywalker. As you may have noticed, I'm not male. And it didn't occur to me that he was different from me because I was a girl and he was a boy. It is worth noting at this point that for a couple years in there, Luke Skywalker and I had the same haircut. I think that was a coincidence and let's not dwell on that. But I think the thing that I connected with as a child to that character was that he was just an ordinary kid living an ordinary life and then something terrible happened followed by something amazing and he was thrown into this adventure and he became a great hero and rose to the situation was not perfect made good choices and bad choices and grew and changed and developed over the course of those three original movies but I always remembered how he started which was just a normal kid who was kind of bored with his normal life and that I really clung to as a kid because we all want to think that there's a call to adventure there for all of us. I mean, I don't think all of us were imagining that there was a, a wizard creeping on us for our entire, entire childhood and who would then pop out when we were about 19 and would be like, hey, you're special, go on an adventure with me. But, you know, I think we kind of all wanted that to happen. I certainly did. I never would have said no to Obi-Wan Kenobi the first time. That's That's my main deviation from Luke Skywalker. But my point is... I was attached to him not because I thought he looked like me or because I had some superficial connection. It was because his his feelings and his circumstances were something that I could connect to and that I wanted. That's how I felt represented. And by represented, I mean I saw myself in him. I felt the way that he felt. I had the same dreams that I was special and meant for something more. And I think that's why I mean, Star Wars is incredibly popular. And I think that's why. I think it's because a lot of people, I would venture to say almost every person has the, th- the, the thought or the hope that if we had our own very obvious call to adventure, that we would rise to the occasion and recognize it when we saw it. So to move on to the last stage of my childhood... <laughs> from 11-ish to, I don't know, when does childhood end? Never really. I 11-ish to 13-ish, 14-ish, 15-ish, something like that. That's when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, or um, a few years before, I guess. Uh, when I first saw them, I was 11 years old. I read the books first because I had a good mom who was like, read these, read these first, and then you can see the movie. It was I think the best thing she ever did for me. <laughs> That's not true, mom. Please don't listen to this, mom. I'm sure you did much more important things for me, but that was a really big one. It may have been a ploy to just make me wait until I was old enough to see these movies, but it, it definitely worked. And uh, it had the added benefit of I read these books before I saw the movies, which everyone should have done, even though I know many people haven't, but it's fine. I won't hold it against you. The point of this is, in this next stage of my young life, Lord of the Rings came uh, into my orbit, and I loved it because it's great, and it has a similar thing 
with me to Star Wars in that my favorite character was Frodo, still is. Uh, I know a lot of my peers were drawn to uh, some of the other characters, i.e. we were all in love with Legolas and Aragorn, and not that I wasn't, but Frodo was always my dude. And I think it's a similar thing of an ordinary person being thrust into extraordinary circumstances. And Frodo's a little bit different from Luke uh, in that he wasn't necessarily yearning for this call to adventure, especially not in the books. He is perfectly content to just sit around his house for 17 years and not do anything extraordinary at all. Thank you very much. But when the call comes, he answers it and he rises to the occasion and and almost fails, but he succeeds anyway and is an entirely different person at the end for it. But again, I, I had and I still have an affinity for that character, a connection to that character, because I also see myself there. And I think I continue to connect to him in a way that I don't connect to Luke as much anymore in that I am perfectly content now to not do anything extraordinary. Thank you very much. But if, you know, I discovered that I inherited some evil jewelry that needed to be destroyed, I'd like to think I would walk several thousand miles to make it happen. Who knows? I'm sure there's plenty of you who know me who would say, no, I don't think you'd do it. But, you know, you're probably right. But still, I can dream. But again, I think my point is, if I have a point, is that only focusing on the superficial aspects of characters and trying to only connect to your audience through the race and and gender and and other surface attributes does a disservice to both your characters and your audience because readers and viewers we connect with the stories and with the characters because we're all human we're all people and we all react and act and emote and feel in the way that we do and that's why the the best stories the ones that last the longest are the ones with the most universal characters in the sense that these are people that everyone can relate to even if they don't necessarily look like them and I'm of course by no means saying that we should ignore other attributes of people and that we shouldn't bother to make movies and shows and, and write books that that feature characters that aren't white or whatever the sort of what we've decided base model of character is but that shouldn't be the most important thing about them all characters, be they male, female, and of whatever race, they should be human first. Because I think if you are only thinking about the superficial, the story's gonna fall flat, and the character's gonna fall flat, and your audience isn't gonna care. No one's going to want to interact with someone who looks like them, but who isn't a real person. A good example, I think, of this is uh, Captain Marvel. 
if you've uh, followed any of my previous internet career, I did a YouTube video on this when that movie came out. Um, and I was really excited for that movie because I'd read a handful of the comics and I really liked the character. To be fair to the contemporary usage of the word representation, I did pick up those comic books because she was a female character, but I didn't keep reading them because she was a female character. I kept reading them because she was funny and irreverent and human and vulnerable. And I, again, I saw myself in the character, so I kept reading. And then when they came out with the movie, I was hoping that I would see that character on the screen, and uh, I didn't. Uh, that's why I was disappointed in that film, because they were too afraid to give this female character any flaws. And they just took it way too seriously, so that even when she was funny and irreverent, that those things fell flat, because the rest of the movie and the character herself, they, it was all just taken too seriously, so it just didn't work. Being white, I can't speak to the experience of any of, of seeing, you know, characters of other races reflected on screen and how that would make me feel as a not white person, but I imagine it would be comparable to me as a woman seeing a woman on screen and being disappointed that she's not human. I, I think because the most, as I've been saying, the most important aspect of characters and stories is shared humanity and that's why they are relatable that's why we care about them that's why we continue to tell these stories and people who consume these stories continue to consume them is because we're trying to understand ourselves as human beings and so if those characters aren't human if they're not real people we don't care and it doesn't work so that's my thought on representation i don't by any means claim that it's a hot take, but if it turns out that I'm wrong and it's uh, warmer than I think it is, neat. I don't expect to uh, gin up any controversy. Uh, an audience of some note would be required for that. Anyway, I may have actually had a point in that one. Well done, me. Uh, if you made it to the end, <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, you can find me on, on the social medias. Uh, specifically Instagram and Twitter. The links to, to those are down in the episode notes along with my website. Thank you again for uh, listening and sticking around till the end and I hope you join me again next time.